0: Welcome back to another episode of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 115, and this episode is with Andrea Riboli. And Andrea is the head of sports science and strength and conditioning at Atalanta in Syria. So it was great to get Andrea on the podcast and to get his views um, and dive into some of the work they do over at Syria. So Andrea came on to talk about some of the key differences that he notices between the Italian leagues and the way the Italian clubs set up in regards to sports science and the UK. Um, He also spoke about the club's approach to player wellness, we touched on the approach to physical monitoring, assessments and how that influences a player's programme. Um, we also touched on monitoring load and how that affects technical and tactical sessions. And then we also spoke about um, adding in high intensity work and where that fits within the program as well. Andrea also touched on loads of his research that he's done previously, but also he's currently doing. And I know he's really keen as well to reach out to other practitioners um, that are willing and sort of able to, to share any research that they've done. And he's, he wants to grow his network with um, practitioners like himself that are out there researching, working within the field. So if you do want to reach out to him, please reach out. He's on Twitter. At under, um, A Ribbley on Twitter. So reach out because I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. But a big thank you to Andrea for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat with him and I hope you enjoy the episode. I just want to ask and also say a massive thank you to everyone that shared episodes recently. It's a huge help every time that you share a show and drop in a nice message on Twitter or Instagram. So please continue to do that. It only helps the show uh, grow. So please give it a share on Twitter or Instagram, your Instagram stories, or share it out to people on WhatsApp, any means necessary to get the um, show out to more practitioners and more coaches. So a huge thank you for that. And a huge thank you again to Andrea for giving up his time and coming on the podcast. So I'll leave you now to episode 115 with Andrea Ribbley. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 115. I'm delighted today to be joined by Andrea Riboli. Andrea, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Hi, Ben. Thank you very much for your invitation. It's a great
1: pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
0: No, thank you for giving up your time. And Andrea is the Head of Sports Science at Atalanta Football Club in Syria. So we're going to get a great perspective of a practitioner working in um, one of the top leagues in Europe. So I really appreciate you giving up your time and coming on to the podcast. But do you want to just start us off, Andrea? I've just talked about your current role, but do you just want to give us a little bit about your background, your education, what sort of led you up to working at Atlanta?
1: Okay. I um, Some year ago, I got a PhD in sports science because uh, I believe in, um, in research and the effects of research in our work as strength and conditioning. And uh, since about uh, 10 years, I work as a strength and conditioning coach and a sports scientist, both for youth and adult uh, soccer player, professional soccer player. And uh, over the last uh, six years, uh, I work as head of sports science. And at the same time, I collaborate with different, uh, I, I'm trying to collaborate with different universities about different research projects because I believe in the importance of the research to increase continuously our knowledge. So uh, this is uh, my main experience, uh, both from the field uh, in soccer,
0: uh,
1: also uh, from the laboratory for a different type of assessment and in research. So these are the three uh, main aspect of of my expertise, and my background.
0: And then, so where did that lead you in terms of leading up to the role to Atalanta? Did you work at, at different clubs, or was Atalanta the first club that you that you worked at? No, I I, I did different uh, different uh, uh, positions
1: uh, or in, uh, in in different club in um, in in Italy. And um, firstly, I start to work in a laboratory of physiology, in a laboratory of physiology, and I work with different types of athletes uh, uh, doing different tests from a physiological lab perspective, for example, maximal oxygen uptake, lactate threshold or other, and on the pitch in, in, with different squad, because I, I tested a lot of team, uh, professional team from uh, seri- the, the third series in Italy to Serie A. Uh, but w- without working with a club, but working with a laboratory for testing. This was my, my first experience. I, I improved my ability to conduct a different type of text- testing. Uh, then I moved to a different club. Um, with a youth player in Italy, different professional club, uh, Como football club. I did an internship in AC Milan. And then I moved to Atalanta with the youth team for two years. And over the last uh, six years, I worked with the first team. And uh, similarly, uh, I, I, I I work also with different types of uh, of. Uh, uh, athletes uh, testing. Uh, by, by my experience in university as a researcher, I tested different different athletes. So this is my my main experience: is from laboratory to testing on the field with a different type of a youth soccer player, with different club. Uh, since uh, to my work now in. Uh, uh, in, uh, in Atalanta, my last experience has, uh, is a, a, a link between uh, the pitch and research.
0: And just to tap into that, in terms of how um, sports science operates in Italy compared to the UK or, or possibly the rest of Europe, what do you see as some similarities? But also maybe some differences between the way we work over here to the way you guys work in over in Italy. Okay, um, unfortunately, I never worked in Premier League
1: firstly, so I, I, Not I yet, not yet Andrea, not yet. <laughs> oh, well, you hope to work in the future in Premier League? It would be a great experience, and um, I. I, but I spoke with different sports scientists working around the world uh, in, in different leagues. And um, there are some similarities, but also some differences. For example, the rural sport science in Italy are growing now over the last year. The link between uh, research and practice needs to be uh, created and need to be increased over the time. I think that in, in different clubs, for example, in, in Premier League, uh, uh, the, the ratio between the research and practice is a little bit more strong than in Italy. Uh, I, I know that since about 10 years there are some departments working with a lot of, for example, PhD. Uh, student, that are working in a different aspect uh, about sports science, one PhD working in tests, one working in monitoring, one working in, uh, in wellness or other. Uh, in my opinion, this is a really, really interesting approach. Uh, and uh, in Italy, uh, we need to improve, in my opinion, our approach with this basis to create the link between research and practice because nowadays we have a lot of data uh, during practice we have data from uh, um, testing from monitoring on the pitch, from wellness from strength in the gym uh, so all this data should be should be utilized both for planning and monitoring activity day by day but also to increase our knowledge so uh, it's uh, very important Important for uh, the sports science in Italy, in my opinion, uh, working to um, to grow continuously. So this could be the, some differences, I think.
0: And then, just to to give a little bit of context on your situation, how many um, staff members are within your sports science team?
1: Okay, we. Um, in, in my experience uh, over the, the last year, we work, uh, for example, in, in, a, in the first team, we work in a, we were, we were with the five uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, one working for pre-training activities, one working especially in, in the gym for strength and power. Uh, uh, I, I work especially as a sports scientist and I work with other four guys uh, in the academy working exactly in the same way and uh, sometimes working on different projects for the first team using data for the first team for project that could be interesting for the first team uh, involving the uh, the guys working for academy. So the, the, the point was uh, five strand and conditioning with different uh, responsibility with uh, the, the, for example, the head of, uh, of rehabilitation uh, the head of sports science and me working with the four guys in academy. This was over the last year of the, uh, the structure or the sports science department. And uh, uh, another important aspect was uh, the, the interesting to build Uh, collaboration with different universities. This is one other part of the sports science department, in my opinion, but this is really related because we collect information, we use information on the pitch, we work with academy guys, and then we work closely with the university to produce research projects, useful for us on the the field for uh, for practice, but uh, uh, also for research and to increase our knowledge.
0: Brilliant! Yeah, that's a, gives a great insight into how the team looks. But one thing we were going to start with was um, your approach, but also the club's approach to player wellness. So, what can you talk us through the sort of the structure of of the any sort of wellness work that you do with the players and how you approach that?
1: Okay, um, to determine the wellness is not simple, as you clearly know. Uh, is the, we, we need to, to try to improve uh, continuously the, the technology. Also, the research uh, paper need to, to continuously work to, to improve the, the technologies about that. I know that in, in England, there are some clubs uh, uh, that work really strongly in, uh, in the wellness before, uh, of the player, before a training session, to determine different actions before training st- session. Uh, I read a lot of paper. Uh, about uh, the wellness from premier league so we are trying uh, to to work especially using uh, uh, wellness scales uh, now we 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 don't uh, uh, we can't in this moment uh, um, do a lot of assessments so we we try to uh, utilize the simple one but reliable one using different uh, uh, scale monitor to determine the, the the sleep quality the the total quality recovery the doms uh, on the leg or different uh, uh, part of the uh, of the body and uh, so we try we are trying to utilize this information to better understand some some aspect of our player because to start uh, the, the training on the pitch about this topic we work closely with the uh, with the medical department, because in my opinion, we need to work as a performance department uh, really uh, closely with the medical department about this. And we are trying to improve our data about this aspect, but now we are using a wholly different scales, a different scales as suggested by the different research project. But uh, now, because it's simple, is safe, is reliable, and we can uh, speech with uh, with the player before the training session to the understand their wellness, their their feelings, of, and um, and so this is the way. Probably, in the future, in my opinion, could be really interesting to introduce uh, some submaximal assessment day by day. But uh, now we we don't call, unfortunately, we we can collect this information day by day, but. This is a, a perspective for the future,
0: and that because that was the other thing we were going to talk about was the physical monitoring and assessments that you do with players, but also not just what you do, but how that affects a player's program then as well.
1: Okay, uh, yes, clearly in my opinion, the the monitoring uh, the monitoring is. Uh, important if we can manage training load on, on the pitch and during practice, and uh, that is the, the main, uh, the, the main uh, uh, aspect of the, of the monitoring process. And um, normally, for example, I'll give you an example. Sometimes we uh, utilize this most at the game and uh, we are trying to study the different formats of muscle again, different uh, exercise, different drills, different positional drills, different running-based drills. We are trying to collect a lot of information about this. And uh, we are trying, especially during sport-specific activities, uh, to understand the, the, the physiological responses, respect, for example, at uh, uh, the most demanding passage of match play during activities, or, or we, we are trying to relate to this information continuously. Uh, the monitoring is really important for this because we can uh, understand the, the demands of our player from a, a, an internal point of view, for example, cardiovascular responses during the first most game or external load responses. And we, we try to manage different actors as a pitch size as uh, some uh, supplement, uh, activities, uh, ra- activities, uh, supplement activities, running uh, these exercise activities, supplement activities after small study gates. If of course you prefer to use uh, a really, really small study gates, mm, This is the, the main approach Pro- we, we are trying to use also. Also the, the live system help us uh, during practice because we can try to modulate. We are trying to conduct a research project uh, about the the ratio between different training load and performance development. We are working on this. We have some data, but I I hope to to show this information and share this information in the future, but we are trying to work strongly on on monitoring and collecting data to manage training load on the pitch. uh, all information are clearly used and uh, utilized for example to suggest uh, um, to increase different external load using for example sport specific activities because is uh, more difficult increase and reach the match demand using sport specific drills than running based exercise so, but probably it's most important because a soccer player need to to, to play strong with the ball in a large size during the match try to to work in a in a tactical behavior organize or play organized we can recreate this condition near to the maximum demanding of the match play using more game but for this aim we need to to monitor a lot of aspect and try to to change a little bit different, to try to increase slowly. One day we change something. Another day we change something to try to increase continuously and reduce the gap between match demand and uh, and training. This is the approach we are trying. It's not simple, as, as you know, but this is the approach. And...
0: I hope you're enjoying part one of the podcast with Andrea so far. Um, I just wanted to give a, very quick update on our online community. So anyone that hasn't heard, we have got an online platform available for coaches, practitioners to grow your network and also improve your knowledge on everything football fitness based. So we've now got 18 webinars available on the community to watch back on demand. We've got 10 presentations from our networking events that we've done around the UK. And we've also just added, and we've just partnered up with Pulse Roll, to give community members a discount on their products as well. And we do have a competition coming very soon with Pulse Roll. So keep an eye out on our social media for that as well. Um, So plenty going on in the community. If you're not already a member, you can go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab at the top, and then you can register for one month free on the community to see what it's all about. After that free month, it is only £4.99 per month going forward, and you will get continued access to future webinars and all of the presentations that will be coming from our networking events, as well as discounts from partners, just like Pulse Roll, um, that we have going forward. You also, Community members also get access to our WhatsApp group, and there's been some great discussions on the WhatsApp group recently on how practitioners are changing their approach with everything going on this year, with fixture, congestion, and Uh, load monitoring all sorts of great really really valuable um, discussions going on so if you're not already a member go and check it out footballfitfed.com click the community tab sign up there if you are a member make sure you log in go and get the discount from Pulse Roll, and go and check out some of the latest webinars that we have available but I'll leave you to part two of the episode with Andrea and How easy is it then to take account for the individual within that session? Because obviously you're going to have different players, different positions, different match demands. So how easy is it for you to then manage the individual player? Um, It's not
1: um, simple.
0: Uh,
1: As you know, we need to take into account the difference between different uh, subjects. Um, Sometimes of the game, for example, I give you this example because it is one of the the most utilized uh, sport-specific drills. Uh, recreate some conditional similar to position demands in the match, and uh, so the, we can utilize, for example, different pitch sizes to uh, increase the demand or expect to the to the, the match demand uh, in in all players altogether, but. Uh, sometimes uh, it's not simple with some with some uh, players with some uh, because one player for example don't move a lot in small sided games or uh, another one is uh, it's not simple so we need to try to utilize different individual positional exercise uh, during the activity, uh, during the week to recreate some condition uh, some uh, uh, conditioning activities for different players for example uh, if uh, forward forwards for example is not simple to to recreate the match activities using small set game for forward at least in my in our experience in my experience of, um, so forwards sometimes need to uh, position a specific exercise for example to recreate some condition more higher than you know, the the demand in the small side the game, or game both for uh, physiological responses or external load responses as a sprint or, or very high speed running so uh, this could be the approach we can monitor the the training load imposed from how our coaching uses different small side the game we can try to to help coaches to um, using different formats of small side of the game or different position exercises and try to utilize um, supplementary or different positional exercise to recreate some condition in different players so we, we using this simple approach we can uh, we can uh, condition the players similar to the requirement and we can uh, be more uh, uh, more focused on their demands of their uh, internal external load uh, demands uh, or other aspects
0: And that was the next thing we were going to cover is, is I suppose, your relationship with the technical and tactical coaches um, and how you've talked about load there, how you monitor load, but then also how that impacts the team session then. So the team training session, the technical and tactical work that goes on within that session. Um,
1: I I think that, um, uh, we have... uh, uh, the head coach clearly, and uh, uh, a lot of assistant coach that uh, work really strong about the the analyzing of the, our player to trying to uh, organize different uh, exercise for tactical behavior or for other. Uh, in my opinion, our role is to help them to understand the the, the demand of their of their exercise on the pitch and try. If if we can, if the exercise could be not only technical with low intensity to improve the position, to learn the the right position, but if they would also to increase the demand, we we can suggest them um, the the intensity of of different uh, of different exercises to try to recreate some condition near not only to the average match demands, but to the most demanding passage of match play. For example, if uh, our assistant coach would to uh, to work with some positional um, exercises for uh, forwards and wide forwards to recreate some tactical condition um, using uh, uh, four or five bouts of two minutes, for example, we do a minute of recover, we can suggest them the, the intensity of the most demanding passage of match play during two minutes, for example. So we can uh, try to have, uh, um, normally I have a, a, a table with uh, all data for all player, and we try to understand, oh, it's good. Oh, no, we can, we can do, um, uh, we, we can work strongly uh, could we try to work strongly? Yes or no. And the coaches try to, to increase if they can and if the aims of the activities and exercise is not only technical and tactical, but also could be uh, become a physical, for example. This could be an approach to be really integrated because coaches, assistant coaches, coaches, and sports scientists or training conditioning, in my opinion.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely. That- that underlines that importance of that integrated approach, doesn't it? That they they understand what you're trying to get out of the session, but then in return you understand what they're trying to get out of the session as well.
1: No, no, yeah, no. It's really important because, for example, I don't have the technologies that a coach have, that the assist coach have, because sometimes the the assistant coach are. Um, uh, was a soccer players so were soccer players. They, they play a lot of matches. They have a, a lot of experience about uh, about the playing uh, playing soccer more than me. I I'm a Stranikos I studied, I played, but uh, at a, a, a amateur level, not not a lot. But I studied the demands of different exercises. I I try, I do strength. I love strength. I love running. And so we need to to improve each other. I I improve uh, speaking with uh, with the coaches. Uh, I improve myself. uh, And I I hope to to share some information about uh, physiological demands with them because uh, it's too much important. Also for our aim as training conditioning coach, our aim is to maintain or develop, it's not simple in soccer, but maintain or develop the the performance ability of our soccer players across the season. Uh, But, uh, uh, i as you can read in a lot of paper but probably as you know it's really important to increase the ability to conduct high intensity activity with the ball because um probably this could change the the game or could you tr- we can try to to train a, as better as possible our our player linking with these two aspects, technical tactical and physical it's not simple but the, the link between different departments from technical, physical, medical also. The performance, is my opinion, is the collaboration between different departments. Without collaboration, I think that we can do uh, our best. I, I believe in, uh, in the collaboration because I don't have the, the old technologies of uh, a physio, of a uh, doctor, of uh, assistant coaches, of coaches and, uh, and so
0: no, that, I love that you brought that up because that is something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast is the importance of integration between teams um, or, or specialists, I suppose, but also that collaboration like you're talking about. It's so important, isn't it? Um, and like you've just said, your knowledge that you have can supplement the coach's knowledge as long as you both work together and vice, and, and it works the other way as well.
1: No, I, 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 I agree with you. Uh, I, I believe, in, I think that uh, we can help uh, each other inside the department uh, when, uh, when we are because also for training conditioning, for example, and um, I probably my expertise is mainly based on exercise physiology, training load monitoring, on the piece, the use of heart rate and. Uh, 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 external load monitoring uh, related to match performance. But another one could have a more experience in strength and power. So I can improve my knowledge also working with a, a great specialist uh, as a training conditioning coach, but uh, with the uh, main expertise in uh, uh, in, uh, in in strength or in other aspects. For example, I can improve my knowledge working with a uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach with uh, specializing in uh, rehabilitation, for example. Uh, also, inside each department, in my opinion, there are a lot of ex- expertise that we, we need to. I believe in one thing. I, I don't know if we, we could reach uh, uh, the soccer, could reach at least in Italy this approach. I hope. But I think that uh, all a strength and conditioning coach need to be able to uh, um, prescribe exercise, conduct exercise on the pitch, collect data, perform research on this data for different topics. For example, the 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 1% one one is more based for strength, with ability for strength, I'm reading a lot of paper in the literature about strength and power. Uh, one other one working about monitoring to increase the performance on the pitch, another one about wellness. And this, I, I believe in this approach. I, I don't know if is some, in, in some part of the world uh, they are conducting the, this approach. I, I would to, to meet them and spoke with them if, if, if it will be possible, but I believe that this could be. Uh, the future because in this way we can improve and working closely at the best ways possible I think
0: yeah we, we've spoke about this before as well on the podcast in terms of like a football specialist and having like a specific uh, specific um, aspect of sports science or strength conditioning that you focus on and you specialize in I suppose the the opposite to that, would be a practitioner that's at a club, which I'm sure you have in Italy, maybe in the lower leagues, where there might only be one person, and then they they have to then cover a bit of everything then, don't they?
1: No, yeah, no, it's happening also in Italy, but also at elite level. Uh, clearly, uh, I, I spoke about the, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, this possibility is uh, is main for the club that have a lot of of uh, of training conditioning working all together. Also in Italy there are some clubs also in Serie A that don't have, for example, four or five training conditioning or, or and uh, so they they need to work uh, alone. In in other experience I, I work alone and we we need clearly we need to to know all aspects of training conditioning because sometimes it can happen to work uh, on the pitch, but clearly me or you probably have one main expertise because if, if I work alone, probably my main expertise is based on, uh, on uh, aerobic activities and uh, uh, the performance development using uh, exercise on the pitch. Uh, I, I, I work also about strength, but for, for example, uh, about rehabilitation it's not my my main expertise. I never study a lot about this. Probably there are some guys more able than, than me to do this approach. So uh, every one of, of us could work in all aspects of Australian training condition. Yeah, we need to to be able to work in all aspects. But we 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 have a a, a, a main important expertise. So
0: no, I, th- I think that's definitely so. Fair. It depends from the level yeah no I think that I think a lot of people will relate to that um, and it's a great point the other thing we were going to bring up Andrea was and you touched on it a little bit before but is your approach or the club's approach to high intensity work and how what that looks like you mentioned about some high intensity high intensity work with the ball um, so how do you structure that and how does that fit into your week
1: okay um. Well, It's not uh, um, not all weeks are uh, are the same. Uh, as uh, I spoke some week ago with the uh, basic performance podcast, I uh, I spoke about about these uh, um, the, the use of different small uh, set uh, game format, for, for example, inside the week to determine high intensity activities. In my opinion, but also reading different different paper uh, uh, coming from different uh, country in the world and we can read that one of the most important and clearly most difficult activity to recreate a high intensity condition using a sport specific drill probably is uh, is one of the main important aspects but its not so simple to recreate such uh, a uh, conditioning aspect as higher trait or higher, uh, uh, similar to running-based exercise. So sometimes uh, we need to uh, work with both running-based and more specific uh, about uh, the physiological responses, more specific about external load that we can impose on our players, and uh, um coupled with uh, with small set of game sometimes we can for example increase the pitch size using small set of game create some positional drills lasting different time duration to uh, increase heart rate using sport-specific activity with a low number of players, uh, trying to recreate conditionals similar to match, both for, for external load and tactical technical aspects. So the 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 aim should be to recreate this condition using the ball uh, for for the main part of the of the activities. But we know that it's not simple, uh, because it's not simple to recreate <laughs> this condition for performance development using so. We need to work uh, in a balance between running-based exercise that can increase the intensity and uh, sport-specific activities. But the topic at the aim is to uh, modulate uh, um, most of the game uh, trying to increase the, the, the intensity. And normally uh, we, we utilize uh, um, this approach at least uh, one times per week in the middle of the week. But as probably all of uh, you know, and uh, all uh, audience know, uh, one times is the more important uh, session for high intensity activity using the sport-specific uh, drills on the pitch. I, when we play one match, clearly. When you play two matches, it's a little bit different. Uh, but uh, we, we need to be focused on high intensity activity at least one, one time for uh, uh, using all aspects of uh, high-speed running sprinter. Uh, high intensity uh, heart rate responses, other at least one times over the week. Trying to be as specific as possible, most that game or other exercises.
0: Uh, oh, that's that's great information. And obviously, this season, like everyone is going through in in football and sports science, the schedule and the fixtures are just crazy, aren't they? Because. I mean, you guys, I'm sure, are the same with the league fixtures, but also Champions League and all the cup games that you're playing. Um, so that comes into the mix as well, doesn't it, that you have to manage all these games as well? No, this is a really interesting topic because uh, last year we are
1: conducting uh, a research project with the University of Milan and uh, another international university about the variation of uh, of uh, match demands um, across congested period. And uh, at least we we need to work about uh, to increase the ability to to collect information that could be really strong about this. Because, for example, in our experience uh, about external load, we can have Uh, great differences about uh, the first of the third matches inside a a congestive period. Uh, This could be related to the physical fitness of the player. This could be related uh, also because external don't don't represent fatigue. Uh, Probably we don't have all information to determine the fatigue and the and the decrease of performance ability. Uh, there are some papers that uh, suggest uh, less synchronized movement, uh, increase uh, with fatigue across congested period. Um, but in practice, uh, is not so simple to manage all this information, at least in, in our experience. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that experience, but the, for example, collecting information about the asynchronized movement between one match and another one, uh, the, the, the link between the asynchronized movement and physical performance uh, um, uh, outcomes uh, as external load. Uh, another problem is that we can col- we cannot collect information about internal load because uh, we don't use uh, heart rate monitoring during the match. Uh, so we, we are trying to collect RPE, for example, or uh, other information using wellness scale the day after the match. And uh, when we have three days, we are trying to work as strong as possible in the, in the recovery activities and trying to understand, but it's not so simple to understand the effects of congesting period and the, to understand the right modulation to improve performance ability also in this, in this, uh, in this period. So there are a, a lot of work to do and uh, all collaboration uh, could be really interesting to improve uh, these technologies because in this in this year is a strange year but also in another year when we a club or a team play, three match per week, uh, this these information is very really important.
0: I think that's a great point. And it's a great year to learn from, isn't it? Because we can, like you said, the research that you'll do in this year will only help other years that hopefully won't be as chaotic. Um, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great chance to learn. No, um, yeah, no,
1: yes. We need to improve uh, continuously.
0: It's too yeah. much important. Brilliant. Well, Andrea, we'll move on to some of the questions that I sent over to you. Um, so the first one being, who are some of the biggest influences on your career? So whether that's coaches that you've worked with, people that you've learned from, is there anyone that sort of stands out? Uh, it's not
1: a simple question. I think that a lot of persons uh, give me some uh, information that helped me to increase. There are not one person, but all uh, uh, strength and conditioning, all coaches, uh, all uh, researchers that I work with help me uh, increase my knowledge. So I, am, I, I can't think of one person, but a lot of person.
0: I know that's a hard question, and a lot of people do struggle to get one or two names. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, the next one is: What's your biggest strength as a coach?
1: I I believe a lot in uh, the link between uh, practice and research, and so I'm working on uh, on this aspect uh, um, a lot of time in uh, in my in my week. Uh, I'm trying to increase my ability to perform research, but I need to, um, to, to learn a lot of things. Uh, I need to learn, learn a lot of, about uh, practice, and uh, I want to, to know a lot, but this is my, my, my main feature, uh, the, the link between a research and the use of data from uh, all part of the, of the performance sports, sports performance department, for example, the link uh, the data collected by medical department, the link collect, the data collected by uh, performance department and coaches uh, or and this link between practice data and research, I think that this is my main expertise and I believe in this. so I am trying to work with this aim that we aim to improve my ability. In
0: brilliant and then the next one um what's the best bit of cpd that you've done recently so is that whether that's like a, a certain webinar that you've watched or a podcast you've listened to some research maybe that you've either done yourself or seen someone else do that you've applied to your practice is there anything that sort of stands out recently
1: no i i try to uh, to be focused on a, a lot of uh, of uh, of uh, of uh, learning platform, uh, I for I give you an example. Sometimes I I listen your podcast or PC podcast when I'm running. I'm free. I, I love to run, and <laughs> I try to listen to podcast or the the most important. Um, Platform when I try to 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 have information is the PubMed or where I can or Scopus where I can find a lot of uh, scientific paper about. But uh, the are uh, nowadays also uh, Twitter or other social media could help to to have a lot of information to to increase our knowledge. clearly we need to. To be able to understand when one information is consistent, for example, coming from a really scientific approach and then another one that is, is not so consistent because it's not based on, on uh, a evidence-based practice, for example. But uh, there are a lot of platforms, social media or, uh, or other learning platforms that could be useful. For, uh, okay. Brilliant. And
0: then the final ones are what do you think? So you've spoke about your biggest strength or what you think your biggest strength is as a coach. But generally, when we look at strength and conditioning coaches, sports scientists, what do you think the most important strength is to have overall for, for any coach?
1: Uh, probably it depends from the expertise. Um, in in soccer uh, or in, in team sport, uh, and as a strength and conditioning, for example, I think, uh, I, I as I said to you before, I believe in the link between research and practice. Uh, the link between research and practice and uh, working in team sport, for example, or sport, is a little bit different than the approach that a researcher working hall Olsen University have. Or uh, a, a strength and conditioning coach that don't believe in research or have different perspectives so we need to be able to have the 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 right balance between a, a scientific approach and and a practice approach this is one important aspect because if you have the the right balance we can uh, create information you, really useful for for the the pitch or, or to manage training activities uh, another great aspect is the the ratio between uh, the, the relationship between uh, different strength uh, and conditioning along the staff and uh, with uh, along all staff, including medical and coaches, the de- uh, uh, department. This is one of the main important aspects we need to be able to uh, to create link uh, w- to try to work all together. As I said to you before, it's not simple, um, but we need. To try we need to respect the technologies of other uh, professionals different from hazard different from strength conditioners, coaches and so this could be uh, an important access for all for medical for coaches uh, for strength and conditioning so this could be uh, a strength for practitioner working in sport
0: mm. brilliant I think that's a great answer. I think there's, there's absolutely loads for coaches to take away from that. So I really appreciate you coming on and giving all the information that you have today, Andrea, because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I was just going to ask for coaches, if they want, wanted to reach out or they wanted to read some of your research or ask any additional questions, maybe, is, is there anywhere that you direct them?
1: OK, uh, normally I share uh, our research project on a research gate, for example, a platform where we can share uh, all our scientific uh, paper. I use LinkedIn, where I, um, I, I can receive email for some question or, or other as Andrea Riboli. And uh, I use, uh, I'm, I'm uh, uh, starting to use uh, <laughs> Twitter also. Uh, to 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 share our information and with the aim that uh, I I I spoke with you before because it could be interest important and important social to improve our technologies and uh, to to try to improve from the others so I I'm just using these uh, these uh, platform ResearchGate Twitter LinkedIn um, I'm, I'm available for any question and, and I'm available for any possible collaboration. Also, why not? Uh, we are a lot of research project with a different department uh, as a, for scientist, as a researcher. So it could be really interesting uh, improve different aspects in collaboration with different, with different performance departments. So uh, I'm I'm available on on LinkedIn where I can be contacted by mail.
0: Brilliant. That was amazing. So, Andrea, thank you very much for giving up your time. I really appreciate you being no, on the podcast.
1: No, my pleasure. I thank you very much. It was, It's really interesting to speak with you. It's fantastic. Thank you very much.
0: Not a problem. And best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Big thank you to Andrea for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat with him. And big thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast as well. Like I said at the start, please give this podcast a share. I'd really appreciate as many shares on this one as possible. Um, there was loads to take away from this one. But just before I go through some takeaways, make sure you go over to Twitter and give Andrea a follow. He's at A underscore and then Ribbley, which is R I. B-O-L-I. So go and give him a follow. And like I said at the start as well, he is very keen to reach out to other practitioners that are willing to dive into research um, and discuss different topics. So please reach out to him on there. If you're not on Twitter, he's also on um, LinkedIn as well. So just search for his name and you'll be able to find him. But please reach out to him um, with any sort of interest that you have on linking up with him. In terms of takeaways for me, I think this was a really interesting one, getting a perspective from a coach in a, in a different country, a different league. And one of the things that sort of stood out for me straight away, and we had a chat before we were recording as well, is that um, he spoke about the um, the sort of collaboration between coaches over in the UK. That A lot of clubs do it very well. It's very integrated in terms of the coaching team. Andrea was speaking about that that needs to improve in Italy. But he also spoke about how big the team was. So when I questioned him on how big the sports science team and strength conditioning team was, there was a fair few practitioners involved. So that sort of jumped out to me straight away that there was a big sports science team, but they needed to grow um, that link and that collaboration, the integration between the practitioners. And he also spoke about, the link between research and practicing, uh, sorry, research and practice needing to develop as well, which is obviously a big part of what Andrea does, um, and then also how young sports science is in Italy. So he mentioned that it's only been sort of around in the Italian leagues in the last few seasons. So I think that was really interesting for me, There's to get that perspective from a a different league. But also from a team that are competing in the Champions League and recently beat Liverpool. So a team that are performing at their very best. Um, So I, I thought they were my main takeaways from this one. But as always, I'd love to hear yours. So please give us a tag on Twitter or Instagram. Or drop us a message, let us know what you took away from the podcast um, and please give it a share. I really do appreciate every single share of the coaches that do manage to share the episode. So big thank you as always for listening. If you've not already left us a iTunes review, please head over to iTunes and just pop a, a review on there of a short comment on the um, most enjoyable podcast or the practitioner that came on or possibly one of the takeaways that you took away from one of the podcasts as well how we really would appreciate that but big thank you again for listening to the episode i hope you enjoyed episode 115 and we will be back next week for another big show episode 116 so i'll speak to you then